0: Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I want to talk to you about our double redemption. 53rd chapter of Isaiah. All Bible scholars and theologians agree is talking about Jesus and the work that he would accomplish on the cross. Of course, it's Isaiah speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost looking forward to what Jesus would do for us. For us. Uh, the time that, uh, that we live, we look back at what Jesus has done for us. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, I trust that you know these scriptures well enough to realize that the word griefs, and the word the Hebrew word that's translated griefs, is translated elsewhere in the Old Testament as sickness. And the word that's translated sorrows in the Hebrew, from the Hebrew, is translated in other places in the Old Testament as pains. Now, hold your finger here, or you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm gonna read to you from Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 real quickly, and then we're gonna go right back to Isaiah 53. One of the first gospel accounts that we have, Isaiah refers back to these very scriptures that Isaiah spoke by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he identifies Jesus' healing ministry with the work that Isaiah was speaking of. Beginning in verse 16 of Matthew 8, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. I want you to notice that phrase he healed all that were sick. That or so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Here's Matthew speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, telling us what Isaiah was saying in Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. Saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, notice in chapter, uh, in verse 16, how that it says, Jesus healed all that were sick. There's two things you need to be aware of. One is, the only way that these scriptures that Isaiah spoke, Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sickness, could be fulfilled was through the healing of all that were sick. It wouldn't have been the fulfillment of what Isaiah said if some of them were healed and not everybody. It took the healing of all that were sick to qualify as the fulfillment of what Isaiah said. Now, some people in the church world will say, well, yes, yeah, see, Jesus fulfilled that when he was here on the earth. Well, then that would mean that he fulfilled the rest of the verse, uh, rest of chapter 53 of Isaiah on the earth instead of on the cross. So you can't have it both ways. If Jesus fulfilled the part of Isaiah 53 that talks about the bearing away of sins, if he fulfilled that on the cross, then he had to fulfill the earlier part where it talks about he bear away our sickness on the cross too. It's either fulfilled on the earth or it's fulfilled through the work of the cross. Which way is it? Well, Isaiah tells us. He said himself took our infirmities. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Well, who who does our refer to? You can't use the word our if you're talking about somebody else and leave yourself out, can you? Our always means them and us. So since Isaiah said by the Holy Ghost, was inspired by the Holy Ghost to say, surely he hath borne our sicknesses, that would include yours which means it couldn't have been fulfilled in total when Jesus was here on the earth to just heal those people that were sick and leave us out. Amen? Now, this is a Holy Ghost commentary on Isaiah 53. It's almost like the Holy Ghost knew there would be disagreement in the body of Christ about whether sickness and disease were paid for in the work of Jesus on the cross. It would take God to know that, wouldn't it? from the time that it was spoken to the time that we have now. Back to Isaiah 53, again, verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed notice verse 5 identifies the work of the cross as being the one point in time the single point in time that both sins and sicknesses were paid for skip down with me to verse 10 yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand where it says he pleased the Lord to bruise him he has put him to grief that word grief is the word sickness other translations say he had made him sick he shall see the travail of his soul verse 11 and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities now there's some words I want you to see here some things I want you to be aware of. Just as griefs and sorrows mean sickness and pains. There are other words that are used that are a little blind to us from the Hebrew. And that is, one of those words is in verse uh, 3 where it says he was a man acquainted with sickness. King James says acquainted with grief. It means acquainted with sickness. The word acquainted means to know. It's a very common word used in the Hebrew language, but it's, I think acquainted is a very poor translation at least to the modern day English maybe it meant something to uh, uh, the people of their day but in our day we think of of something uh, that we're acquainted with as just having a a casual knowledge of but that's not what this word means this is the word that's used when um, it tells us that Adam and Eve fell and it says their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. It's talking about an intimate knowledge that comes from a connection. It's also the word that's used when it said, And Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bare a son. It's talking about a connection through intimate knowledge. It's the same word that's used where God said, I know Abraham, that he will train his children to know the way of the Lord. In other words, it means God had a connection through the covenant he made with him. He had a connection to know Abraham even, and know what he would do even before he did it. That's what this word means. It means to know in that, in that sense. So where it says he was acquainted with sickness, it means he was connected to it. He was connected to it. And let me read the verse again with that understanding. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of pains, and connected with sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4 again, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. I want you to notice the word borne and carried. These are two Levitical words. They both have very similar meanings. There's a a shade of difference in the meanings, but it's, it's very slight. But where it says he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, it's a Levitical term that's used in reference to the scapegoat. It's the same word that's used further on in the chapter. Let me read this to you again. In verse 11, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. This word bear is the same word carried in verse 4. And here's what it means. The scapegoat bore and or carried the sins of the people as a substitute. It's not like we would carry something, a few steps, and then ta- set it down and move it to a different place. It means to be a substitute, to take a, to take something away once and for all as a substitute. So, with that understanding, let's read the verse that way. Surely, he has carried away our sickness and carried away our pains as a substitute. Verse eleven. My righteous servant shall justify many for he shall carry away their sins as a substitute. That's the meaning of this word. It means to carry away as a substitute, not just to pick up temporarily. To do away with something once and for all. Now let me read these verses of scripture to you from other translations. Isaac Lesser's translation is one that we'll start with. Isaac Lesser was a Jewish individual, Jewish scholar. And his translation of the Old Testament Hebrew into English is the only one that was recognized in his day and is recognized today by the Orthodox Jew. So it has to be correct according to the language. Here's what he said. Verse 4, But only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried, while we indeed esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and through his bruises was healing granted to us. Verse 10, But the Lord was pleased to crush him through disease. When now his soul has brought the trespass offering, then shall he see his seed live many days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Let me read to you from the the complete Jewish Bible. Again, that would be an authority on the Hebrew language. Starting with verse 3, it says, People despised and avoided him, a man of pains well acquainted with, with illness. Like someone with whom people turned their faces, he was despised. We did not value him. In fact, it was our diseases he bore, our pains from which he suffered. Yet we regard him as punished, stricken and afflicted by God. But he was wounded because of our crimes, crushed because of our sins. The disciplining that makes us whole fell on him, and by his bruises we are healed. Verse 10, Yet it pleased Adonai to crush him with illness, to see if he would present himself as a guilt offering. If he does, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and at his hand Adonai's desire will be accomplished. Let me read to you from the Jerusalem the Jewish Publication Society translation. Verse 3, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of pains and acquainted with disease, and as one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely our diseases he did bear, and our pains he carried, whereas we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded because of our transgressions, he was crushed because of our iniquities, the chastisement of our welfare was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him by disease, to see if his soul would offer itself in restitution, that he might see his seed prolong his days, and that the purpose of the Lord might prosper in his hand. The next one I want you to see is the, uh, uh, the lexicon English Bible. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of suffering and acquainted with sickness. And like one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we did not hold him in high regard. However, he was, the, he was one who lifted up our sickness and carried our pain, yet we ourselves assumed him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and his, by his wounds we were healed. Verse 10. Verse 10. Yet Yahweh was pleased to crush him. He made him sick. If she places his, his life a guilt offering, he will see offspring. He will for long days and the will of Yahweh will succeed in his hand. The literal version, beginning in verse 3. He is despised and abandoned of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And as it were hiding our faces from him, he being despised and we did not value him. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pain. Yet we esteemed him plagued, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his wounds we ourselves are healed. Verse 10. But Jehovah pleased to crush him, to make him sick, so that if he should put his soul as a guilt offering, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the will of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. Finally, I want you to uh, hear from Young's literal translation. Dr. Young was the foremost Hebrew scholar of his day. He's the author of Young's literal, uh, or Young's Concordance, Analytical Concordance of the Bible. Verse 3, he is despised and left of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And as one hiding the face from us, he is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his bruise there is healing to us. Verse 10. And Jehovah has delighted to bruise him. He hath made him sick. If his soul does make an offering for guilt, he seeth seed, he prolongeth days. And the pleasure of Jehovah in his hand does prosper. Now, folks, nobody, no Christian church that I'm aware of in the in the known world, it may have probably anywhere in the world, denies that Jesus took our sins and bore our sins as a substitute. And because of that, bearing the way of our sins, salvation is available for all men. Well, how is it that people don't believe in the rest of the chapter? In some cases, believe in the very part of the verse that they're the rest of the verse that they're quoting or basing their faith for salvation. on. Why is it that healing is not as readily? Well, this may not be a good way to say it, but I'll try to clean it up in a minute. Why is it that healing is not as readily available or readily accepted as the forgiveness of sins? The Bible says Jesus carried both sins and sicknesses away as a substitute. Well, the answer is very simple. That is because the modern-day church preaches against sickness and disease being a part of the work of Jesus. They preach against the healing work of Jesus as being included in the work of the cross. But everybody agrees and accepts, and nobody preaches against the forgiveness of sins being a part of the finished work of Jesus. And if sickness and disease were accepted, just as the Bible says... As being a part of the finished work of Jesus from his sacrifice on the cross. Just as readily and was preached just as strongly, accepted just as readily as sins, the bearing away of sins, then healing would be an automatic thing in the church. I'm reminded of what T.L. Osborne said at a missions conference that the Assemblies of God held many, many years ago back in the 50s. T.L. Osborn was probably at that time the foremost missionary evangelist, and he was going to nations and have revivals that would turn whole countries upside down. Some of the stories of the nations that he went to, particularly in South America, are just astounding. I mean, whole cities would turn out for these crusades, and he'd have miracles and different things like that. Well, the Assemblies of God organization, Full Gospel organization... Had missionaries around the world too and they were spreading out doing their best followed the Lord's commandment to preach the gospel to every creature but they weren't having any miracles they weren't getting the healing results that Brother Osborne was getting and his results were being publicized all over not only in Christian periodicals and such but in secular magazines and papers as well and so they invited him to one of their conferences not to be a speaker in the evening but they particularly wanted him to do some workshops in the afternoon and they wanted to have a question and answer session with him so he agreed to do so and he was there at this convention for a day or two and so they set him up in this great big ballroom convention center ballroom thousands of people members of the assembly of god organizations many of them missionaries themselves and everybody was a buzz about this Because not everybody agreed with his ministry, not everybody agreed with his doctrine, not everybody believed the reports of the results that he was getting. And so the moderator of this question and answer session said, well, in examining all the questions that people have turned in that they want to ask you, it really comes down to one thing. There are little variations and different offshoots, but it really comes down to one main question, and that is, why do you get... Or how do you get miracles when we can't get them ourselves? Why are you able to perform miracles in the name of Jesus when our missionaries don't get the same results? And Brother Osborne laughed, stepped up to the microphone and laughed. He said, I thought you were going to ask me something hard. He said, that's very easy to answer. He said, if I can beat you to a new country, I'll have miracles. Because they haven't been told or haven't been taught that the name of Jesus is different today than it was back in the Bible days. They haven't been taught that healing's not for everybody. They haven't been schooled in unbelief about what God won't do for them today. He said, but if you beat me to a country. He said, I'm just as helpless there as you are. Because the spirit of doubt and unbelief will permeate the people by being told or from being told that Jesus doesn't do the same things today that he did in the Bible. Well, everybody was greatly offended by that because He's just accused them of stopping not only not being in position to get ministry results, but stopping him from having greater results in some places. But he tried to explain to them, and if you knew Brother Osborne, he was very strong in what he believed, but he was a very gentle person in the way that he conducted himself so he tried not to put anybody down by it, but he just said very simply it takes faith to receive you have to build faith into the people by preaching the word of God and preaching what it says instead of making excuses for what you haven't been able to perform well if that's true in foreign lands why wouldn't it be true in our land now some people will say well sometimes God will just heal people just to prove that he's still in the healing business But let me ask you a question. As a matter of fact, why don't you turn with me over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Paul talks to this issue. Let's start reading in verse 8. He said, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And he's going to define what the word of faith was that he said he preached. It's always been kind of amusing to me how people would use the term word of faith to describe those of us that believe the word in a derogatory manner when it's what Paul said he preached. So he describes what it is. verse 9 he said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, I believe this word, I know this word saved means, is an all inclusive term, and it means everything that Jesus provided for. Isaiah 53 identifies that salvation includes forgiveness of sins as well as sickness and disease, healing from sickness and disease. So he says that faith is necessary to believe in order to be saved. He goes on in verse 10, he says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth is confession made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, or Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now notice verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, Paul's saying, you can't get saved without hearing and believing. Have you ever heard anybody say that God just sometimes saves people whether they want to be saved or not just to prove that salvation is available? It'd be just as scriptural to say that he sometimes heals apart from faith. Now there are manifestations of the Spirit. We see examples of that in Jesus' ministry. John chapter 5 is a good example where the man at the pool of Bethesda is healed, and it doesn't seem to indicate, the Bible story doesn't indicate that he had any faith on his own, but Jesus was there to do a specific work for a specific period of time. But have you ever heard of anybody that ever claimed that God saved somebody even though they didn't want to be saved, or even though they didn't have faith to be saved? That'd be impossible. God does not usurp a person's will. Now in John chapter 5, he overcame the man's lack of knowledge. But he did not usurp his will or overcome his will. The man wanted to be healed. He was gathered at the pool waiting for the troubling of the water when the angel would come down from time to time and stir the water up. So if healing is a part of salvation, which Isaiah 53, 5 says it is, If Jesus took away, carried away as our substitute sickness and disease, just as surely as he carried away sin, which Isaiah 53 says he did, then it would be contrary to the will of God, it would be contrary to the word of God, to save somebody against their will no matter what. See, if God was in the business of saving people whether they wanted to be saved or not, then we could just pray, and our prayer would get the world saved. But it doesn't work that way. Well, and by the same token, you can't pray for somebody to be healed against their will without some measure of faith being exercised by them and get get any results there either. Paul specifically says, how can they believe if they don't hear the preaching of the word from somebody? Well, then that tells us that faith is necessary to receive our healing. Well, what are we to put our faith in? He is despised and rejected a man, a man of sickness, or a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has carried our griefs, borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. That's sins. Jesus paid a price for sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's sin too. He paid a price for sin. The difference is he paid the price for Adam's sin, the original sin of mankind, and he paid the price for your individual sins too. He's got sin covered whether it was your personal sin or not. The chastisement of our peace was upon him And with his stripes we are healed. Who has the right to say that the sin part of that is applicable to today, but the sickness part is not? Who has the right to say that the sickness part is not the word of God for today, but the sin part is? It's the same verse. It's the same exact verse. Now, folks, what we need to realize is that there was a moment in time when the price of Jesus' blood was paid the price for sin was paid the price for sickness was paid from God's point of view you've already been healed just as much as from God's point of view you've already been saved the price for salvation was paid what does that mean? does that mean everybody's going to go to heaven? no it means everybody has the opportunity to receive for themselves what Jesus paid the price for But that's what Paul's talking about. It's necessary to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him with your mouth as Lord and Savior. That's our part. That's how we appropriate. That's how we possess or take possession of what Jesus already paid for. So many times people are looking for God to do something. You're looking in the wrong place. God's already done something. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come to me, particularly after healing school, and say, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray for me that God will heal me. They're looking in the wrong direction. What would we say if they came up and said, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray for me that God would save me? We wouldn't pray that God would do something to bring salvation to them, would we? Wouldn't instead we tell them what Jesus already did for them on the cross? And explain to them that the the reality of acceptance is simply to take hold of it through faith. Believe in your heart and say with your mouth. Lead them in a confession that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. So that they take hold of what Jesus has already done. Well, Then why do we treat sickness any different? We're not supposed to. We're supposed to look back to the same point in time when Jesus paid the price for sin. As the point in time that he paid the price for sickness and disease. Brother Hagin told a story about a lady that brought her daughter. Her daughter was grown. I think her daughter was 36 or somewhere around there, years of age. The mother was wealthy. She owned a lot of property in the town that they lived in, in the business part of town. And as a result, she was the wealthiest person in town. And she had agreed to to finance a $6,000 operation that her daughter was going to have to have. And so before they had the operation, the mother wanted to bring the daughter by and have Brother Hagin pray for her. She came from a, a different town, a faraway town, but had heard about Brother Hagin's ministry and the results that he got sometimes with laying hands on the sick and so forth. So they came by the house, Brother Hagin's house, in the afternoon and knocked on the door and explained what they were there for. And they'd driven a long way and had to drive a long way back and she was concerned and wanted to get back home before dark, and so she wanted him to hurry up and pray. He wouldn't do it. He just finally said, Now, ma'am, I don't mean to be rude, but if you're in that big a hurry, if you've got to go and you're in that big a hurry, then just pack her up and take her now. I'm not going to pray. One of the things that people don't realize, and I'm going to take a little side journey here, but one of the things people don't realize is that many times, maybe even most of the time, before we're in a position to pray for somebody, we need to talk to them. We need to locate them. We need to find out what they're believing for. Because most people, they come up for healing and healing lines and so forth. And, and that's fine. I'm not knocking in the way that we do it or the way that anybody else does it. But, you know, in a, in a church service like this, or in a, in especially with us having healing school from week to week, it's not really necessary to have healing lines. Or healing types of services in that manner. Because you got every week you can talk to somebody, every week you can minister to somebody. Got plenty of time that we can take to answer people's questions and to either school them in faith or help tweak their faith to be in a position to receive. That's different in crusades. In Brother Hagin's crusades, he'd only be there for two or three nights, sometimes a week. And he's trying to reach as many people as he can. And so it's, he's dealing with more of an evangelistic type of healing ministry than there is in the local church. But there's nothing to hurry for in the local church. We need to talk to people. We need to find out where they are. If they're not in faith, instead of trying to pray for them and get them results that their faith is not in a position to receive, then we need to take them step by step and school them along. Can you understand that? I think a lot of times we're looking for healing crusade results in church services. And that's a very rare thing. There are times when the Spirit of God will move in and operate that way, but it's rare. Well, the mom wanted her daughter to be prayed for, and Brother Hagin said uh, that he's not going to do it quick, and so he he said that when they first knocked on the door and told what they wanted what they'd come for. Brother Hagan said, I just knew as soon as I saw the daughter that she didn't believe God for healing. She didn't have any faith to be healed. She was just there because her mother wanted her to be there and her mother had the money. It's going to finance the operation. So Brother Hagan said that he started, He settled the mom down a little bit and then he started trying to talk to her, to the daughter. But every time he asked the daughter a question, the mom would answer. And so Brother Hagan said, as gently as I could, I told her and now ma'am, If you're not going to let her speak, then you might as well pack her up and take her home. I'm asking her because it's what she believes and what she thinks about this that's going to determine what results we get. And so finally, you got the mom to be quiet. Well, we all want good things for our kids, don't we? I understand where the mom's coming from. Her mom wanted her daughter to have faith. Wouldn't it be great if we could give our kids faith? just by osmosis so anyway he finally talked to the daughter and said now let me ask you a question ma'am he said do you believe that when we lay hands on you jesus will heal you she said no i don't he said well i knew that already i already had that witness in my heart but i appreciate you being honest He asked her some general questions about does she believe in God, and she did. Found out she was a part of the Baptist church in her town. And he said, now, ma'am, it wouldn't do any good for me to lay hands on you to pray for your healing if you don't have any faith to receive it. He used the example that we just used about praying for somebody to be saved when they didn't know anything about Jesus and didn't have any faith to be saved. And she understood that that wouldn't work. Baptists know a lot about that. So she understood that that wouldn't work. So then he said, now, I'm not saying that it does say so, but there's a Bible sitting right there on the table next to you. I'm not saying that it does, but if the Bible said that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed, would you then believe that it was the will of God to heal you? Well, Baptists believe the Bible. Thank God they do. So she said, yeah, I do. I believe that. He said, well, pick up that Bible then next to you on the table. He, she picked it up, and first thing she did was look at the spine, saw that it was a Schofield reference Bible. Well, the Baptists are big on Schofield Bibles, so she kind of smiled. She said, well, this is just like mine at home. He said, well, good. He said, turn, with, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, which we just read a few minutes ago, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took your infirmities and bore your sickness. He said, now read that out loud. It was sitting in her lap, and so she did. She read it out loud. After she finished reading the verse, she didn't move. She didn't lift her head up. She just dropped her head down. Brother Hagin said it seemed like it was 10 minutes. It's probably just, you know, a few seconds. But he didn't know what she was going to say or what she was going to do or how she was going to react whatsoever. He said when she finally lifted up her eyes and looked at him, she had tears in her eyes, and she said, Brother Hagin, I see it. It is the will of God for me to be healed. She said, just lay your hands on me. She said, I won't have to borrow the money from Mama for the operation. The Lord will heal me right here. Well, he did. Now, what brought her from the place where she first admitted that she didn't believe that it was the will of God to heal her to the place where she said, lay your hands on me right now? It's the will of God to heal me and I will be healed. One verse of scripture. That's all he gave her. Just one. Himself took your infirmities and bore your sickness. And with his stripes you were healed. Folks, as I said, from God's standpoint, from God's point of view, healing has already been accomplished. It's already been paid for. The work has already been done. If we reach out to receive healing from the Lord, Jesus doesn't go back and shed one more drop of blood. He doesn't take one more stripe on his back. That work is already done. Turn with me finally over to Mark chapter 11. How do we take possession? Well, here's what the Bible says that faith will do and how faith produces results. Beginning in verse 22, and Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Well, he's talking about faith then, isn't he? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now this is talking about healing, this is principle of faith. We'll work in every area, but our subject tonight is talking about healing. So let's plug healing into this verse. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this sickness, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the sickness that he commanded to leave shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith, or the sickness will be removed. Let me say that again. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this sickness, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe from his heart that the sickness that he commanded to leave shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith, or the sickness shall depart. Now that's what we do with sin if we come to Jesus, isn't it? We say, Father, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins that you raised him from the dead and we confess him as our Lord and Savior we now call you our heavenly father and we say that we are now in the family of God in the same way we appropriate healing by saying something to the effect Father I believe that Jesus paid the price for sickness just at the same time and just in the same way as he paid the price for sin and I now confess him as my healer And I thank you that sickness and disease departs from my body. Thank you, Father, that I am now healed. That's the operation of faith to receive healing. It's just as simple as receiving forgiveness of sins. Now, the difference is, oftentimes, when somebody gives their heart to the Lord and receives salvation, they feel a difference on the inside. They think it's a physical difference, but it's not. They sense something happening on the inside of their spirit. You don't always sense something happening when you relieve for your healing. And oftentimes people say, Well, I know something changed because of the way that I feel inside. Well, faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the evidence of things not seen. So you can't say, Well, now I know I'm healed because I feel something inside. Because faith, the foundation of faith is the word. You have to say, I know I'm healed because the word says so. No matter what I feel like, whether I feel better or feel worse today or feel better or feel worse tomorrow, I'm healed because the word of God is true. Jesus is my healer and by his stripes I was healed. You do that and the devil's not strong enough to keep sickness on you. But you got to be relentless. That's one thing, Brother Hagin, when you get him talking about it privately, one of the things that impressed me about it is he said this. He said, people don't understand how relentless I was with the Word of God, particularly Mark 11, 23 and 24. He said there was something about those verses that I just knew on the inside that that was my answer. He said, and I was just relentless he said, I think most people would have died. Most people aren't diligent or as diligent as he was or as serious about receiving as he was. He said, I'd lay in bed for hour after hour after hour just saying Mark eleven twenty three 23 over and over and over to myself. Just getting that down on the inside of me. He said, I spent hundreds of hours just quoting those scriptures, Mark 11:23 and Mark 11:24, just quoting those scriptures to myself. In the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, I was quoting those scriptures to myself, building it on the inside of me day after day, after day, after day after day. Well we sometimes hear Brother Hagen's stories about how he received his healing, and depending on the party's emphasizing, sometimes it sounds like it was a short time. And He just believed it for a few days, and the Lord spoke to him and said, well, then get up. If you believe you're healed, get up. The power of God came down on him, started oozing from the top of his head down through his body like warm honey. Before this thing got to the floor, he's standing straight. Well, that was after hundreds of hours of quoting the word. See, he decided that he was not going to be denied from receiving what Jesus paid for It takes that kind of diligence. It takes that kind of relentless attitude. But you'll come to the place where no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what other people think or say about it, where you know that you know that you know that he sent his word and healed you. You come to that place and it doesn't matter the when anymore. I think that's a part of patience having its perfect work. because you come to the place where wind doesn't matter you just know that you know that the word is true now the way some people preach faith it makes me wonder what faith is really all about the way some people preach faith it's this mystical magical place that only they and a few other select people ever really reach But that's not what the Word says. The Word says it comes through the diligent application of the Word of God. Believing it in your heart and saying it with your mouth. You may need to say it a thousand times before it breaks through on the inside. You may need to say it a thousand more times before it takes root. But you stick with the Word and it will produce results. It's impossible for the Word of God to fail. God's word is true no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what the doctor says. God's word is true. And no matter what condition somebody has or how long they've had it or how severe it is, Jesus paid the price for their sickness and disease. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. What a treasure your word is. You said, Lord, that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. We thank you, Father, that you lift the burden off of our shoulders and you take the yoke from off our neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing, the power of the word of God. We thank you, Father, that you've redeemed our life from destruction. That you've crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. Because of that, Father, we make a confession. Let's say this together. I confess that Jesus is my Savior, that He paid the price for sin with His own precious blood. And I believe, according to the Word of God, that that same precious blood of Jesus paid the price for sickness and disease. He bore my sickness, He carried my pains, and with His stripes I was healed. Therefore, I confess Jesus as my healer. I say that I'm free from sickness and disease, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Sickness, I command you to go according to the word of God and my faith in that word. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, that I'm free from sickness and disease amen amen hallelujah well, let's all stand together let's just lift our hands and thank god because his word's true oh thank you father what a privilege it is to stand upon your word to know that it's true to know that we were healed by the stripes of jesus to know that jesus surely has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains just as surely as he took the price, paid the price for sin, he paid the price for sickness and disease. And just as real as the word is, that we're free from the power of sin in our lives, we're free from the power of sickness. Thank you, Father. It's so good to be healed. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.